Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Verdict Podcast. Um, this episode is a special episode. I'm doing a movie review with my amazing co-host Ed Dempsey. Ed, introduce Hello. yourself. Hi, I'm Ed Dempsey. Well, that was quite decisive. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about um, a film that we both watched recently called American History X. It's quite a heavy film, but it has a modern-day application and some really good themes that can apply to society today. Um, Ed's going to just give us a quick rundown of just the plot, and then we'll get into the review. So generally, the plot focuses on racism in America, more specifically white supremacists on um, Venice Beach and California, and how they deal with the life around them. Obviously, it's a very ethnically diverse area, so it walks through how they deal with the situations that they're put in. But it also then follows the story of redemption, where the main character works through this idea that actually everyone is equal, everyone is treated the same, everyone comes from same diverse backgrounds, know what two people are really ever living the same life. Mm, couldn't have put it better myself. Um, it, our main protagonist, and it is uh, someone called Derek, he's a skinhead who's um, had a tragedy in the family as his father died um, putting a fire out at a drug house. Um, this has built up pent-up rage in him um, and he becomes a heavy racist. Um, his little brother, Danny, um, ends up following the same traits as his brother when his brother gets locked up and thrown in prison after killing two black males. I actually um, think it starts sooner than that. I think Danny become he wants to emulate his brother. His brother is his idol after the passing of his father and his brother Danny actually looks up to Derek from the start from when he starts forming his own ideas on racial superiority and supremacy among the different classes. This is what I was looking for. We're getting deep already. We're getting deep already. Oh, by the way, ladies and gents, there is a spoiler alert notice. Yeah, I was about to say, we should put one here. It's just make a movie movie. Yeah. My suggestion is to watch it and come back to it. Um, but no, no, there is that scene. Um, it's the black and white flashback um, where he's discussing his English teacher with his father, telling him all the fantastic books that he's read and, and talking about it. And his father just comes out with this racial slur about how he's only been taught about black literature and that it's all a farce and that he shouldn't let it get in his head. And I think at that point, it, it is the director's way of showing that that is where the problem starts. You know, I think this is really applicable to, to nowadays because I was actually listening to Logan Paul's podcast um, where, where he was you know, in, interviewing, he was just having a chat with all his co-hosts really about, about the protests because his brother Jake got in some controversy for going to a, a, you know, a riot at a mall. Oh, the Arizona riots. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and his brother was, was, you know, looting and rioting in a, in a classic redneck uh, kind of fashion. And um, he got in a conversation about it. And Logan Paul, who I don't always agree with, mentioned something really interesting, which was, you know, the problem will always be there until you raise your kids in the right fashion. In, until you raise your kids to not be not racist, but rather anti-racist, which I think is, is the key point that this film picks up on as well. Because let's talk about the mother for a while. She doesn't agree with Edward Norton's ideologies, but she doesn't do much to stop him. I what, think what do you the, think about that? I think what needs to be 
said there is the scene in black and white where she brings over her new boyfriend, um, Elliot Gold, who plays in the movies, one of the teachers, but he also has a Jewish background. Mm. And she dates him for a while and brings him back to the house. And obviously, as a white supremacist, uh, Derek Vineyard, aka Elliot Nor- uh, Edward Norton, is against pretty much anyone that isn't, as he says, white Protestant. So he put, takes this issue with pretty much all of the points raised by Elliot Gold's character. His mother does very little to interject. It's crap, I don't buy that for a minute. Calling a riot an, an irrational expression of rage, that's such a cop-out. It's opportunism at its worst. It's, it's a bunch of people grabbing any excuse they can find to go and loot a store, nothing more. I actually, I actually liked his character. Um, his only character flaw was uh, forgiveness and understanding. Um, which is uh, something that Mr. Sweeney, the English teacher, certainly had. You know, and imagine, imagine a black person getting handed a paper by a kid with a shaven head about Mike. It's a travesty arguing for Hitler as a civil rights hero. You've got to draw the line. It speaks multitudes about how this character, uh, Sweeney, or his real name is Bob Sweeney, but he's referred to throughout the film as Sweeney speaks multitudes about how he's worked through the struggle. There's a scene where Edward Norton's been assaulted in prison and he's pretty beaten down this sort of his rock bottom and he can only be built up from there. Sweeney comes into the prison and sort of fills in with this sort of like vigour to be better than he is, to actively seek to encourage people to be better than they are. I think that's he's the true sort of like paragon of virtue in the film he wants everyone to be aware of the fact that they are different but that they can all be as good as each other you have to ask the right question like what has anything you've done made your life better Yeah, no, I totally agree. In fact, I go, I go to as far as to say he he doesn't see white and black. He doesn't see wrongdoings. He just sees the opportunity to progress and improve other people. Which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that point. I think he does see white, white and black. I think I think the issue is always has never been. Oh, I see white and black. I do see the difference because there is difference. They're different gangs. They do different things. Obviously, they attack the store, but they talk about drug crime in relation to there's a different sort of like collection of, of issues within the society that they're living in. I think what he does really well is he focuses on sorting out those solutions, sorting out the issues that the different groups have. So the white supremacists, it is the fact that they're blatant racists who are causing all these issues by attacking people who are just trying to live their life, live a better life in uh, Venice Beach or around the area. Whereas I think when you look at how he treats the black community around him, it's very much more targeted at raising them up to be better than the, better than they can be at that point in time to maybe not engage in gang wars. Because obviously the film ends with Danny Vineyard, Derek's mm. brother, shot by a black student who at the start of the film was a little kerfuffle so like yeah. they bump into each other in the that was when uh, the the uh, the white kid was getting beaten up at the beginning wasn't it and yeah, uh, yeah. He, he came out of the toilet 
Want some too, bitch? Huh? What's wrong with you? You wanna die? Punk ass white boy. What, yeah, exactly. what, what do you think of the the kind of setup between the difference between the black gang and the white gangs? Do you, you know how they're kind of juxtaposed in school and out of school on the basketball court? But yet at the same time, when they're playing that basketball game at the beginning, there's some kind of element there, what I found, that they're actually enjoying playing with each other. They're actually enjoying having a game of basketball against each other. I think what that scene was, in the sense that everybody, I think, well, most people like playing sports, and obviously if you've grown up playing basketball and you love playing basketball, I think that's pretty obvious from that scene. But what I think that scene shows more is this sort of like, it's very much painted as a war between these two sort of like factions. There's mm-hmm. very, they start together, they work together, but slowly... There's a vision with Seth, the sort of like pretty much one of the worst antagonists in the film, who's just this really fat, racist individual. Mm. He sort yeah, of like he, starts he's this whole. Also, he's also um, dumb. Yeah, <laughs> As well. Very, very dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's trying to make ends meet for his cut and well figure. Fucking on. It's 8 6, Seth. Danny, when I want your fucking opinion, I'll ask for it. Come on, guys. I can't cover this. Come on, guys. I think on the basketball court when he sort of like sparks this war yeah, and then they sort of like fight each other and it's very stylized to be sort of like get, at this point Derek's still sort of seen as sort of like a protagonist for the racial cause so he's painted as lifting up above and he quite literally does he dunks the ball to win the courts from the other gang he's lifted up he's, he's his own man of the crowds he's the man of the people whereas Cameron's still behind the scenes running everything at that point I think that's his height. That's where he's then knocked down when he goes to prison. Obviously, it's the same day when he obviously hurts the, uh, kills the two black people trying to attack him. I think that's his height. And what that scene shows is him being sort of like reaching the zenith of what he thinks he wants to be. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think what we've got so far is, is great. I'm going to get on to Cameron's character soon. Just wanted to say to all those watching and listening, we are sponsored by... Manc Law Society, so be sure to follow them on Instagram along with the Verdict Podcast. We really appreciate it. Cameron's character is an interesting one because he preys on the weak, as, as evidenced by Seth. I mean, he's clearly um, not the most gifted person in the intelligence department and has clearly um, just taken to what Cameron has said and taken it as the book of law, really. Um, and it's actually sad to see um, the scale of manipulation because you do see yeah. that you know in the party scene you, you do see the scale of manipulation because you I was completely dumbfounded by the amount of people that were actually there you know I was expecting you know a kind of kind of couple of washed up old guys who were old members of the Cucox town but no no there was there was loads of people there and it, it scares me to my core to think that that many people could share that opinion the DOC, the name of the group that they're all sort of like form and then become yeah. part of Cameron's, they're sort of like, he's the spearhead, but he can't be because he can't be caught. So he's behind the scenes a bit and Derek gets to be that spearhead. Yeah, like, but he's also a coward. He's also a coward. Derek confronts him when he when he says, uh, stay away yeah. from, you know, my brother, I'll rip out your heart and feed it to you. 
he confronts him and says, you know what? I know, I know you. You've only been in prison for two months and you rolled over on a couple of other guys and they had to pay your price. You prey on people, Cam. You use them. I lost three years of my life for your fucking phony cause, but I am on to you now, you fucking snake. Hey, Derek, watch it. Be careful. He's just a, a coward who's found no place in society and has resorted to, you know, hatred. Now, whether or not he actually holds those beliefs is another story. But I think... I, I don't know. I think what the DOC shows is the, is the swing of the pendulum. There's always both sides to it. There's very much a group of people who do feel frustrated with the world and they look for a way to bring it out on people. And... Unfortunately, it just so happens that many of them may have fallen victim to similar detriments of society and they blame people for that when they shouldn't necessarily. It's never been about a certain group that's done this. It's been about individuals doing this and they're the issue. Yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, but it just shows, I mean, I always used to laugh at school. You know, they, they always have, you know, one, one bully isn't bad. But when you've got a billion groups, it's terrible. And I was used to, you know, laugh, you know, four stupid people can make someone's life miserable. But in that film, it really does showcase how, how that can be true. Um, and I just want to talk about for a while the prison aspect of the film. Yeah. You know, as as law students, um, you know, especially well, we we both don't want to be criminal lawyers, but we know people that do. You know, sending people to prison is quite quite a hefty, hefty thing to do. And obviously, uh, yeah. it, it is deserved. But American History X, I felt, gave a really raw outlook on what prison is, is like. Um, you know, doom and gloom, essentially, going from happiness in a crew to essentially getting, you know, raped and, in, in, you know, resulting in an endangered life. What did you think about the prison prison scenes? I'm not sure. Obviously, I don't have much experience with prison, and especially American prisons. Obviously. Prison. <laughs> Obviously. Um, very lucky in that regard. Um, <laughs> no, but um, I, I can't say I know much about the British prison system either, but I think it does give this very sort of um, dull sort of mind-numbing experience of people just lazing around. But then there's also people working together, well, not together. What was I going to say? Oh, I'm going to change. Yeah, one yeah. sec. But well, we can cut this out, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that in deliberately. I know what you're saying, though. It did, it did show, like, kind of, you know, you see these prison films, like uh, an example is The Last Castle with Robert Redford, you know, all about, you know, honour among thieves, all about all this. It really showed, you know, when he fell out with his white gang, he fell out with them and oh, he yeah. paid the price, um, a, a price that no man wishes to pay all women. Yeah. Um, and it, it was shocking. Um, it was stereotypical, but at the same time, it, was, it seemed so real. And it was the only time in the whole film where I actually felt for him. And I actually thought you know i feel really sorry but at the same time it was almost sweet justice as well well he does later on in the film he's talking to his brother about the experience and he says I, i'm not ashamed of it i'm lucky to have been lived how i did because he does get saved by his friend lamont who the sort mm. of like white group was keeping the 
black group or the Mexican group, whatever, in the prison away from him, protecting him. When he left the white group, and he quite publicly did in the canteen cafeteria area, he was then up for prey because if you're walking around with a swastika on your chest, you're obviously target number one. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tell us what you really think, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much an image that's associated with a single cause, which he was a part of. It's a contrast where he, like I said earlier, gets sort of torn down, but then Lamont sort of like gives him, well, and Sweeney, but Lamont also, he's a friend, he's not a bad person. Like he said, he only robbed a store and he got six years because he dropped the TV. Whether or not that's true, it doesn't really matter, I think. He is a nice person in general. He tries to communicate with him. Wait a sec, wait a sec. That doesn't make sense. No, you didn't get you didn't get six years for stealing a TV, man. Come on. I go in the store, I come out, the police officer grabs my arm, the TV falls on his foot and breaks it. They said I threw the TV at the office. So six years. And I think I think I'm glad you mentioned the TV thing because um, they slipped that in there obviously deliberately to to showcase the fact um, which we we both know you know that that the black people often get unduly prosecuted. And well, it's a, it's, a, it's a sad fact of, of life, system. unfortunately. Now our lives, which which I find I'm not going to get into it now because I'll get too heated, but I find it's absolutely disgraceful the, the inequality not only in the prison system, but just in the world. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting that they mentioned that. Um, it was interesting that they slipped it in there because I think it was really Edward, Edward Norton's penny drop moment because he always talked about, always talked about, oh, it's all a bunch of rubbish. They don't have lesser opportunity. They don't have poverty. We came over here. We flourished. What are they doing? But that was the penny drop moment where he realised there is well, yeah. ingrained inequality in this country. And that harkens back to the um, dinner table scene where he's talking and one of the points he brings yeah. up relates to Rodney King. And if you don't know who Rodney King was, he was a, a black man that was driving in LA and he broke speed limit. But then it's not entirely certain, but having watched the footage, it looks like he gets he does very little to provoke anybody and he gets beaten mercilessly by four police officers. And the police mm-hmm. officers didn't get charged with anything from memory. What I watched a documentary I, I by Ava DuVernay, I think. And um, yeah, they didn't get anything. And it was this polarizing moment where the LA 92 riots, so I think that's what's there were some huge issues there. People went out and rioted because it was just racial injustice that it's rearing its ugly head again. But he takes a spin on it where he paints. Rodney King as sort of like driving down 100 miles, then he attacks these police officers. And anyone watching the footage can see he's just a man that gets out of his car and then gets beaten by police, assumably because he is who he is. His girlfriend as well, the, uh, Edward Norton's girlfriend, absolute poison. <laughs> I, I hated her so much. From the, from the very beginning... I just did not like, did not like her. I mean, it, hats off to the actress. She played it extremely well because when, when you saw that look in her eyes of just crazed idiocy, you know, idiocy and just, just pure evil, I just was like, oh. She, she reminded me of the sort of Bellatrix Lestrade character. She's yeah. too unhinged. She's too unhinged to be any good to anybody, but she's a part of this volatile, vile section of society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually a really good, um, 
really good parallel there because Bellatrix yeah. is strange in Harry Potter. You know, she's uh, she's nuts, um, and she's yeah. just there because she's nuts. And you know, the good side aren't going to have her, but the villains are like, yeah, we might as well keep her around. Um, but obviously, a comp- completely different beast. I mean, she's latched herself onto Edward Norton. I, I, in my mind, I also believe that she even possibly, you know, obviously we don't see it in the movie, but could have increased um, his racism, could have increased his rage and anger by edging him on. She does at the dinner table. Um, I think that's one way of looking at it. I think another way of looking at it is Derek is this spearhead figure who mm. sort of like he gets the masses going. And I think she represents part of that. He, I, I can't say certain because they don't really cover it in the film, but I think there's maybe a part of him that adds to her and she sort of fans her flame. When she gets going, obviously one flame sets fire to another one. So it just sort of like sparks this whole, in their eyes, revolution, but it's actually just sort of like this racial war that should never be waged. Um, it ended exactly how it started. If um, any, anyone who's seen it noticed that, you know, with the waves rolling in, because essentially what I believe, my interpretation of what the director was trying to show, was he was basically going from a sense of absolute calm you know, rolling waves to absolute anarchy and complex situations and family disputes and just heavy themes, basically saying that some people think life is simple, but this film shows that life is extremely complex in a way. I, I, Do you I think another sort of layer of complexity is added by the fact that waves are obviously calming that you watch, but they're also violent? crashes water one after well, the other. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's if you go, oh, I'm very impressed, Ed. I'm very impressed. I not you're a budding TV student. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, the waves in, in, in question were particularly calm. That's why, uh, that's why I said that. And I'll have to re-watch the film again to see if the waves actually change, you know, from beginning to end. I'll be interested. I, I, I think it's very much the first, when we saw, like, pan in and the film starts, it's, I think it's daybreak. It's the start of the film, obviously, but it's the start of the story with being told the story in the sense that very orchestral, the scenes are filmed beautifully. We get this clear view of the progression and the redemption of Derek Vinyard. But then I think when it ends, it's more sort of a sunset. I, I can't say for certain because I, I watched it just before we did this and it seemed very sort of like the sun was right, the slowly sinking, sort of very apocalypse now, sort of beautiful mm. background scenery. But I think what that shows is more a bit of a the story's coming to a finish. It won't ever finish because it is a story of redemption. He needs to redeem himself for killing two people. No, I, I 100% agree. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that, yeah, so the ending was poetic, but I've got a question for you. And you can ask me the same question after. Do you feel sorry for, sorry for Derek? I feel sorry in the sense that I think He's been failed. He's been failed well, by his own father. I mean, you look at where his racist ideas come from. It's a very mild form of it from his father. And then the death of his father radicalises him. But I feel sorry for him because he's been failed by that. And for like this system of he's been battered down. But then I also believe what well, Sweeney tried to intervene. He tried to intervene many times. And I think I don't feel sorry for him in the sense that he didn't need to do anything he did. He wanted to do it, but I do think yeah. he was failed and that mentally he might have felt that he was saving the world, well, his world. He was saving the people around him. 
what he was actually doing is he was just, I remember reading a quote, I can't remember who says it, but violence begets violence, and he is the first spark of that flame. Yeah. Well, you know... I mean, well, what about you? Yeah. One domino is, is always got a fall. I think that at the end, I didn't feel sorry for Derek. I was very conflicted throughout the film. I was very conflicted. I For, for a while, I thought... Mm, yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for him. I mean, especially in prison. You know, but it made my bum hurt just watching. But, you know, I think in the end of the day, you have to expect um, to get burned if you're going to light a match. And he, he, he lit many matches. I thought the scene where he ran into the store and they were beating up yeah. all those immigrants, I thought that was just horrific. There have been... There have been a very few films, you know, I'm, I, many, many of my friends know I'm, I'm quite a sadistic person. But there are very few films that have made me really uh, get in touch with my human side. And this was certainly one of them. I think it, not only because uh, Black Lives Matter is, is, a, is a strong passion of mine and a, a big topic that I like to delve into and I, that I want to be a part of the change. Um, but just because it was so well acted. I mean, I believe Edward Norton won something. He got nominated for the Academy Award, but he didn't win it that year. Oh, well, robbed. He was robbed. Um, but, yeah, I thought, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Let's talk about the sister a bit, who is, is very different to, to Edward Norton. So you've got Edward Norton and you've got the two main siblings, and obviously he's the little girl, but she didn't really have a big part. So you've got the sister and we've got the brother, Danny. Brother Danny's following his brother, absolutely looks up to his brother, adores his brother. But the sister, the sister completely disagrees with pretty much what I can see, most of the ideologies the brother has. Hey, Davina, sit down. Sit down. Be quiet. Shut up. Sit down. Shut up. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. So it's, do you think that the sister still loves her brother? I think, I think the sister's part of the reason why I don't feel bad for Danny. Because she's from the same background, she's lived through the same pain. She's well, she's going through university only a few years after he left secondary school. So I can't imagine they're too dissimilar age-wise. So I, that's why I don't feel bad for him because she's sort of like risen above it in the sense that she's not a racist. She doesn't have those views. She's working hard towards getting a degree and being a better person. But I do think she finds redemption in him. She, when he comes out of prison, you can tell that they're very not close because obviously he's been away for three years and doesn't talk to her but he's much when he's a tamer version of himself they get along very well he's very understanding of that because he is in general intelligent in sort of like English literature and stuff like that he's just got some mis misinformed ideas No I concur <laughs> I, I, I agree I think that um, Edward Norton's character is actually quite clever in some forms and um, he was clearly a talented student at English yeah. hence why uh, you know Sweeney took such an interest in his brother so I had uh, a talk at my old school um, we had this ex-student coming and he was talking about racism and the times that he, he you know he'd experienced racism himself and he said that the first the first action in someone's head when they experience something like that, similar to getting bullied and you know, other things, but on a much larger scale, is to react, you know, to, to punch, to verbally spit back. But he said that he always steps back and then he chooses to educate instead. 
And I think that that, that is a bit what, what Sweeney's like, although I don't think there's a bad bone in his body in general. I think that he was there, his job, he feels, is to educate. You know, the guy's got so many, you know, it's said in the film, I can't remember where, he's got so many qualifications, so many doctorates. Yeah, he chooses to be, in, you know, an English teacher at Benny's Beach High. Why? Because he wants to educate I think everyone should be able to take that step back and look at the situation and go, okay, well, if I acted off the cuff there, I would have done something I really would have regretted. So now I can think clearly and go with that attitude. And I think Sweeney is sort of like the, the personification of that. He is this person who can always step back and get people to really think about what they're doing, think about why they're doing it, and then sort of like move them to do something better to think through their actions and physically enact change within themselves and within the community around them. Mm. I don't that's how I felt about it, I'm not sure. So a film starts with the rolling waves. We then move through the plot a bit. We experience the horrific scene of Edward Norton killing the two black men. Um, one one killing in particular did not sit right with me. Um, and his his poor um, brother watching. What did you? What were your first initial thoughts? Just say the first word that came to your head when you saw that. Horror. You know, it's yeah, horror. You yeah. You, you you watch him. He comes out and he immediately shoots one of the people hiding behind the door, and that's obviously awful, and terrible. But it's very sort of like quick. Then they move on. With the second killing, he shoots away a car. And then there's another guy who he's sort of like. Um, slow down he saw like shot him in the leg or something i didn't really see where but he's still alive very much alive mm. what he does is he carries him and he eventually curb stomps him and you watch it from start to finish and it's very well it's, it's just plain horror i think it's yeah yeah it's um yeah. pure madness as well actually when he's standing on the street the director has done it so he almost looks like he thinks he's a martyr did you notice yeah. that? Where he was holding, that's what I was thinking, he yeah. Up his, his, his arms like he's proud. He's got a swash sticker on his left breast and he's just standing there and it's black and white and the camera is on him and you're looking in his eyes like he's proud. But then, then there's a slight, slight change. It turns to disappointment more when he gets put on the ground by the cops and he looks at his brother. I think at that point there was a change in in his in his eyes, like not that he didn't agree with what he's just done, but that he may be realizing the consequences of what he's just done, but not for himself, but rather for his brother. I I, I saw that in his eyes, and I know it's strange, but I definitely saw something. If I'm being perfectly honest, I kind of had to turn my head away from that scene. I think. They yeah, really no, I don't blame you. Showed, they, showed the worst in humanity, so I maybe didn't catch the subtle nuances of that. It's a scene that's filmed very well, but it conveys a very strong message. And if you haven't watched it yet, or if you're going to watch it, I think just be aware of that scene because it's it's filmed in a very violent way. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not going to get all doom. It is an absolute. Absolutely fantastic film. Um, moving away from 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 the race for now, you know the way it's filmed, um, the direction, the script, everything is, is bang on. Actually, it's probably one of the best films I've ever watched. And believe you me, um, I've watched 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. um, completed Netflix, I feel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we have that scene, um, then it moves on, we go through Danny's, a bit of Danny's school life, and then we get this prison scene. Now, ignoring the sexual assault for now, let's talk a bit about the yard antics. You're in prison. Edward Norton's there with the rest of you know his you know, neo-Nazi gang. And across the side, we've got the black gang. And there's a little business deal going on there, isn't there, right? Do you want to, do you want to explain? It? Well, yeah, so obviously they're two very diametrically opposed groups. I mean, one are white supremacists and the other are a black gang. They don't really mix. It's not something that the white supremacists have trained themselves to do, I guess. But um, I think what the scene shows is that morals are a very flexible thing. What one of the white supremacists is doing deals with somebody in the uh, not rival but other gang, and um, I think at the start you see Edward Norton's character Derek Vinyard take issue with that. He's very much the well, we shouldn't mix. It shouldn't be something we do. We shouldn't talk to them. And you see that with Lamont. He doesn't talk to him for it's got to be close to two years, I think. But then they become good friends, obviously, later on in the film. But there's a bit of hypocrisy in it. It's, I really don't like you, but if I want to do better, I still need you. I think they sort of like may take in this view that actually I can use other people to get a step up. But when I do, I'm then going to kick them back down. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought um, the yard scene was weird. Because you did see that, you know, resentment from everyone in the pure, like, what are you doing? You know, going over there and, and talking to him and dealing with him. Come over here. It's racism in a different circumstance. That's what it is. Edward Norton was a racist as a free man. He wasn't a racist as a prisoner. He had to learn to be a racist almost as a prisoner because he wasn't used to how it worked. Um it wasn't, it wasn't used to how prison worked and it's kind of this realisation that you know he's in a different circumstances and even his people the racists that he's supposed to be friends with aren't acting as, as he expected he's in a different situation and you watch him kind of adjust to that and then obviously we move on from that we have the incident we won't talk too much on uh, that because I'm not... Another bit I turned away from. Not something I really want to watch. What what are your sort of views on him being a broken character at that point? Do you think he's sort of at rock bottom or do you think he's just a bit more vulnerable but he's still got character behind him? I think at that point, he's been betrayed, firstly, by the people that he thought had his back he thought were his friends. Yeah. You know, he's lying on that bed, you know, from throughout the the film, he's a strong character. Good or not, he's strong. He has his ideas. He wins the basketball match. At that point, he is just none other than a prison statistic, lying on a bed with six stitches up his bum. Um, and, you know, that's it. And they wanted to convey that. They wanted to convey the fact that he's just laying there. You know, he could have been head of one of the biggest gangs outside of prison, but now he's just a rape victim. And Sweeney comes in at the perfect moment to tell him that, you know, his brother is is not 
going well. And for a second, I had disrespect for Edward Norton's character because he went kind of, I don't know if you remember, he went, not my problem. Yeah. I made my problems worse. But then he kind of changes his ideas slightly. He starts reading, um, reading, reading the book. He starts getting to know the, the guy that he's doing laundry with, the black... Lamont. Yeah. And everything changes. So I think that it's a, a stark reminder of only once you're at your lowest point in life can you start building up if you're one of those people. I think, yeah, I think there's a vein of truth in that. I think change come from, can come from wherever and whenever it feels. I think, unfortunately for him, he was so radicalised by Cameron or, well, by events that happened in his life. He needed to be a robot and he needed to be the shell of who he was to really let ideas seep in. But I think across the film, change can come in from anywhere because Danny isn't a robot and he's living his best life. He's going to the parties, he's meeting girls and stuff, he's writing his book. And he's working his way up in the organisation. There's Derek Benyard's brother. He's who's a god among the people. But um, I think he gets changed more because his brother's been hurt, not because he has. He isn't at rock bottom. He's pretty pretty high up on the scale. But he then gets changed. He gets these views that conflict with what he has, but he agrees with them, and he can't really quantify that. He can't sort of like um, deal with it. So he slowly starts realising that actually changes for the best I need to realise that everyone's a human everyone's the same mm. and the way I've acted is just completely unfair yeah so um, I think that the film really worked on many different levels but so we've had the prison scene you know he gets out of prison and what what do you think about his treatment of Cameron you know when when, when he comes up those stairs and hears Cameron, you know, poisoning his little brother with all those, you know, all the speech that he's talking about. He's talking about his paper saying it was such a great thing to do, writing about the Nazis and how Hitler should be a civil rights hero. I mean, it's just absolute drivel, really. It's just something. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are you doing here, Danny? Come on, man. I had to check it out. You knew I was going to come. Let the kid alone, Derek. He knows when to go to bed. I, I, I think it's pretty fair Derek walking in there and just chastising Cameron for being this malignant tumour on society mm. especially on preying on the weakened society and I think it's only fair that somebody stands up to him and says look stop it yeah <laughs> just no, yeah I agree, I agree. Cameron clearly you look at him and you well you look at the character not the actual actor you look at the character and you think oh well he's somebody who thinks he's like very smart, well-educated, this large life figure who runs this organisation, but really he's just this scared human who's trying to get other people to do his bidding. And it's really sort of like dictatorial, but not in any sort of elected way. He has other people doing everything. No, um, but yeah, no, that scene is uh, um, is interesting because it Cameron almost welcomes him back like he's a hero. Cameron, oh, yeah. yeah. Welcome back to the soldier. The soldier returns. And then Edward Norton, just from the get-go, just basically says, you're going to leave my family alone because prison changed me. You know, he says, you know, the, 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 the fat boy is saying that prison has, prison has poisoned you and changed you. And he's, he says, yeah, it has. You know, it's changed my, my complete outlook. And now I realise that you're just scum, basically. Yeah. And, and I feel, thought that, you know, Edward Norton's, character you know Derek 
his audacity and bravery to, to go in and say that straight to the you know to the boss man it, it was 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 great um i thought that was good for his character arc i came in here to tell you one thing i am out out and danny is out too and if you come near my family again i'm gonna fucking kill you do you think cameron thought that prison would maybe push derek further towards the cause then yeah yeah he must have but what he what he fails to realize that it, it, i I can't remember if it's in American History X, but I know it's in another film which tackles racism. Someone says to one of the characters, you know, prison is a place of equals in some way. You know, you're a convicted black man, you're a convicted white man. We're both convicted. We're both in prison. And I don't think that's necessarily... There are statistics that prove that... Otherwise. Groups are disadvantaged in American society. Exactly. But on a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis, that, that is kind of correct. The imprisonment, there's no race. You know, even though there is, there's different gangs, but you're a prisoner and that's it. Yeah. You know, and that I think that's 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 something that Cameron failed to realise. Because I do agree with your point. In in some way, shape or form, he might have thought that prison would you know, make his ideology even more severe. Yeah. But I think it had the opposite effect as as it shows. So he comes out of prison, you know, mumbo jumbo with Cameron. Cameron's a bit of an ass. This person's that. They argue, punch, 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 fight, fight, fight. He gets out of there. He wants to get his brother. He wants to escape. Um, he's shouting for his brother, shouting for his brother. Meanwhile, his brother's, you know, lipsing some, you know, blonde chick in the back. And Seth goes in and he sees what Edward Norton's character has done to Cameron and goes absolutely ballistic and shows off his true cowardly trait by not being able to pull the trigger on Edward Norton. Seth! You make me fucking sick! Seth, put down the fucking gun! Shoot him! Do it! Do it, Seth! Shoot him! What's Danny's first reaction? I mean, it's, it's got to be confusion, right? Dan, Danny's grown up with Derek, giving this very passionate voice for racial divisions in society. And then all of a sudden he goes against that and he goes against it quite um, viciously. He takes the gun off Seth, he like, attacks their leader. He, he pretty much just got gone against everything that Danny believes in or has been told to believe in. So it's, it's got to be confusion. Danny's got to be thinking, well, what's going on here? I have no background to this. You went gone into prison, Derek Vineyard, my hero, the racial warrior, and you've come out, Derek Vineyard, the racial warrior in the sense that he's now fighting for a bit more of a quality in society. But there's something there's something interesting. This is the only scene in, in the film. Uh, not not the flashback scenes where Edward Moore was explaining to him what happened in prison, but the actual scene itself was a weak point in the film for me. Really? Um, for for Edward Norton to suddenly come out and say all this to, you know, or what is he, a 17-year-old kid? Um, you know, for him, no, he's been in prison. Yeah, 17. I was bang on, being in prison for three years since 14. So, you know, Danny's a 17-year-old kid. Edward Norton's come out and told him this story about prison. And for Danny to suddenly switch and go, oh, well, I'm not a racist anymore then, didn't really sit right with me. There's no character arc there. Um, you know, you can't, you know, it's Game of Thrones season eight all, all over again. You know, suddenly uh, Targaryen Queen has gone nuts. 
Um, there was no true bridging of the gap where he's confronted with a situation that he needs to change. You know, there was no... I don't know. I think you look back to the start of the film where Seth is the... where Seth's filming him and Seth says, oh, give me what I want, and Danny starts spouting off all this stuff and he goes afterwards, he says all this really, really horrible stuff and then afterwards he goes, well, I guess, I guess some of them aren't too bad, which I, okay. I think he does thoroughly believe. He doesn't think everyone is bad just because they were born a different colour. And then Seth very sort of angrily goes, no, no, if you're not white Protestant, you are bad. And there's no qualification of that. There's no quantification of it, sorry. Mm. It's just, well, if you're not us, then you're bad. And I think it actually shows that Danny does have that piece of doubt in his mind. And what Derek does is he sort of like actually says, you were right to have that doubt. And now I need you, for the sake of the family, to really just believe that what we're doing is now right. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about that point. I still disagree with the character arc thing. <clears throat> I'm not saying that, you know, Danny didn't have the, you know, the mental power to change. I'm saying that the, the speed in which it happened was, was, but it was in the script, you know, whatever. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I did, you know, remember that scene at the, the beginning because he does say, well, some of them are all right, I guess. And then and he goes, no, none of them are all right. They're all terrible, you know, and all this. So there may be a small part of Danny that still feels that what he's doing is wrong. And he might actually be, you know, as a consequence, self-loathing. And obviously, I don't know, I don't know if I'd go as far as self-loathing. I think it's more Danny's a sucker for the proud mentality, the herd mentality. No, but there's a part of him that, that, that is different. There's a part of him that's, he's not all the way gone. That's why I think the whole film is about stopping something before it gets to the tip. I get that, but I think you mentioned self-loathing. I don't think he hates himself for it. I think, if anything, he's more... I think he's sad that he's not as sort of like radicalised as the people around him. But I wouldn't say it goes as far as self-loathing. Okay, can I just put some of my wisdom on this? If, if he's not self-loathing... Why, when he told Derek about the two black guys stealing his car, did he later go in the film, if only I hadn't told Derek about the two black guys stealing the car, before he had the chat with Edward Morton? That, I don't think that's self-loathing. I think yeah, that, that's... That's regret then, regret. He yeah, regret. I don't, that's regret. And he doesn't... I don't think he, he loathes himself for that. What I think is everyone looks back and goes, oh... I've acted a bit in the heat of the moment. I probably should have done that. He probably should have gone to his mum. But I think in any situation, Danny, uh, Derek would have gone outside and done something. I think what Danny's, he regrets that he went straight to Derek. He regrets that he went to this sort of racially motivated individual and said, oh, there's a group of people outside that are black that are trying to break into a van with the clear without the knowledge that Danny, Derek would then go out and do what he did. Mm. So then we've got that scene. It all ends. He finishes his paper, <clears throat> puts in his bag. They're walking to school together. Two of the white supremacists have been mugged. Derek is asked by the police to help. Delivers Danny to school. And Danny goes to the bathroom and comes out. As Edward Norton is realising that 
a car has just pulled up outside the school and dropped someone off. Edward Norton sprints down the road, bang, 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 drops Danny, scene. Danny dies, Danny gets killed. Sweet justice, payment, what do you, what do you want to call it? Let's come to a verdict on whether this was the right ending for the film or not. Actually, nice playing words. Um, <laughs> verdict. Um, no, um, uh, um, I don't think it's justice. I think it's. I think it's just raw anger. I think Danny is trying to reform, or at least what we see is him trying to reform. If anyone read that paper, then I think they start realizing that Danny's a deeply troubled individual who is looking to be better. But um, I, I'd never say it was like sweet justice because I don't think he deserves that. You look at what Danny's done throughout the film. Yes, he's associated himself with these people and he said some really awful stuff that's just not true at all. But he hasn't actually been part of the movement. He hasn't gone on these midnight raids. He hasn't gone on to kill people. I think Derek's the individual who's gone from redemption. He, he reached to like this low point. Again, like I said, this pendulum, he swung from killing people to then being redeemed. Whereas Danny, I think, very sort of in the middle and got moved towards being less racially, what's the word, racially... Very typical, awful, disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, so racially, uh, yeah, racially disrespectful. Let's go with that. Yeah, um, yeah, but I wasn't necessarily talking about sweet justice for Danny, but I was talking about sweet justice for Derek. And sweet, oh, sweet justice, justice for Derek. The, two, the two black guys, you know, one of which got his head stomped into the curb. He died. I think. So also, you know, the movie. You're saying that Danny dying is sweet justice for Derek. And sweet justice for the two black guys and their family that died at the beginning. I think it's a neat ending. And it's exactly how I would have ended the film as well. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I think Derek's obviously this awful, awful person at the start of the film. And at the end, he's not a good person. He's somebody trying to be good, but he's, he's not good. In this true vein of redemption, the end of the film would have been sort of like this consolidation of the idea that the DOC gets taken down. Unfortunately, it's not true. The KKK is still huge in America, so it's obviously mm-hmm. see something. I think now it's only started being labelled as a terrorist organisation in some sense of the word. Um, so it's obviously still a problem in society, but personally I think the film should have ended with this idea that everything's just sort of crumbled for the DOC without Derek, and now everyone sort of realised that Actually, what they were doing was just awful, awful mm. acts. I, I think that the reason that the ending was so perfect, and I do understand, uh, you know, what your, your positive, wishful thinking, should we say. Uh, yeah, optimist. It, racism's still out there. That's why the yeah. DOC didn't crumble. That's why, you know, you know, you know, Derek didn't die rather than his brother because <clears throat> Derek is a symbol of, you know, racism and progression he's both and um the film was trying to say that you know although this one kid's life got saved from a deep depressing hole of hatred and racism there are many more out there that don't become saved 
and become monsters instead. And I think that was the, you know, the stark reminder of the societal issues that face the world today. And this will be explored, you know, in, in other episodes, you know, as I'm sure the audience know, because it is a big topic at the moment. But I think that this film illustrates the fact that, for, you know, for every child saved from the racist depths, there's, there's always more that are becoming, you know, brainwashed by racism. True. And yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, that sh- the film show, showcased it perfectly. Do you want to rate the film out of five? Can we do it out of ten? All right, out of ten. Because out of ten, I'd give it a nine point five. I think I really, really liked so, it. I think. No, no, let's 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 break it up a bit. So we'll do out of ten plot. Uh, plot. Ooh. I think nine. Yeah. Um, character yeah. development. Oh, it's got it's got to be a ten. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, I'll give it a nine point five actually, just because that little character art problem I was having with Danny. But yeah, pretty much. All uh, right, fair enough. And fair enough. and societal meaning and you know existential meaning. Well, I, I think again that's that's going to be yeah. a ten. I think it's more relevant now. Where obviously it's been relevant in the past, but I think now it's more relevant than ever when education is the key to making all these changes in society for the better. I don't know. I, about you yeah no i i agree totally and i think this has been a great episode and it was great yeah. reviewing a movie with you ed um yeah it was great reviewing one with you too linus yeah yeah brilliant i'd just like to thank you for listening uh ladies and gents um wherever you are in, in england i'm sure most of you are in penryn um but thank you very much for listening uh you can find us on instagram facebook and youtube at the verdict podcast you can follow ed dempsey on instagram and you can, you can follow, follow the triple l on instagram as well for any updates on the podcast until next time thank you very much goodbye yeah thank you goodbye, goodbye.